Hans and Scotty, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time to check in with a good friend of the program, good dude overall, and a, uh, and a hell of a play-by-play voice. David Locke joining us here on the program, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. David, how are you? Hey, David. I'm good. Thanks for the nice intro there, Scotty. I think it'd be great if we had to really good guest, highly entertaining, pretty much of a total a-hole, and, <laughs> like, you know, like, wouldn't that be great? Like, if we just, like, openly admitted something, like, because we all probably have that guest that we put on the air who they're entertaining and good, and we're like, we, we put them, they're, 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 it's good radio. We're willing to do it. Hopefully you enjoy talking to me also. Yeah. But that would be pretty funny. But if you only knew what kind of a guy this was behind the right, scenes, right, you right. would be horrified. But we actually, we don't care. It would be like if Jim Carrey, liar, liar, was doing talk radio. Yeah. I don't like this guy very much, but he is pretty good radio, and he's pretty important, so we're going to talk to him. Right. Exactly. Right. How you doing, and by the coming way? up, coming up next, the AD of Blankety Blank. He won't tell us a single thing that's true here, but he's going to sound good saying it, and he's got a good title, so we have him on the show, right? Like that would be it. That would be awesome. National Signing Day is tomorrow. Every coach is going to tell you they got every player they <laughs> right. wanted. If right, you believe right. that, I have a bridge I'd like to sell you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I used to say Swampland and Iowa, but with climate change, that might be possible. <laughs> So, David, what did you think? Mike Conley back on the court. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought he was good. He played off the ball a decent amount. Um, I, you know, they, they, they struggled. I think guys looked, um, you know, when both sides struggle as badly as they did offensively, it's certainly I'm sure that there were some good defense being played. But I also think that that's pretty common that, you know, you play, you can do all the training you want, but you play your first game. When you're two days later, your legs are not right. I think Hans Uke probably could speak to that better than I can, but that's what every player's always told me. So I think we saw that. The guys were just a step off. I mean, Joe was throwing passes that just didn't get to where he thought they were going to get to, and Donovan as well. And Donovan, like the opening layup of the game, right? Donovan, like, burst to the lane. He's wide open, and then he just, like, lays it off like crazy hard. Like, that to me is just a sign that his body did not do what he thought it was going to do at that moment. Um, and so I think it was just the, you know, guys just, we're off a little bit early, um, and then we put on that three-minute spurt, and that was something. Um, there, you know, it's preseason. A lot of fools have been made uh, hyping their team out of um, hyping their team in the preseason before. So I, I'm trying to be a little reluctant. But there have been some moments here in the preseason where this, at least, you know, I guess if we played preseason game against the Phoenix Suns every night. We'd be really, really good. What do you, uh, what do you, what can you take away from preseason basketball in terms of the future of the team or what this team will look like this year? So I think you can take a few things. I think one is it's pretty clear that there was a stylistic move by Quinn in the training camp prior to the bubble, which was a desire to um, play a little quicker push the ball up the floor um, as well as take more threes. Um, Rudy is not hanging back to come and set the pick on the ball handler as much as they once did. Instead, you're seeing Rudy really sprint the floor and boy, you know, it's we, we almost as a service to Rudy and boy, was he great last night. Um, 
I feel like we should every time someone gets a three because Rudy runs the floor, I feel like we should mention it. It's a little bit like my screen assist, right? Like Rudy truly is out there doing amazing work by just sprinting the floor and then two guys come to him usually and when two guys go to him then if the initial guy's not open you penetrate and kick somebody's open every time for three um scotty go look at that third quarter when they had their burst which i think became a 21-0 run when you linked them look at how much time's off the shot clock on those shots like i don't have it in front of me but i think it's like four seconds six seconds six seconds four seconds Boom, 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 boom. Like just pushing ahead. One of them's just a – Conley just pushes ahead to Boyan for a three. Um, but the other, some of the others are Rudy sprinting the floor instead of coming up slowly waiting for that pick. And when he gets down, when he sprints the floor, he flattens it, and guys are open for three, and it's awesome. So there's a – I think you can see stylistic changes there. David, I want to go back to the Donovan Mitchell-Mike Conley combo and connection – because I do think that the Jazz answered some questions with favors, and I think they've answered a lot of other questions. I look at that that ability to have Conley and Mitchell on the court and productive together as a real important piece for this team, not just in regular season, but when the the games are on the line and the big games in the postseason really matter. How, how conducive, uh, how, uh, how well can they – work together and how I guess successful can they be together on a court do you have concern that they that they're not going to no I I don't I don't have concern but my 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 question is more along the lines of can they both be the best them because the best I've seen Mike Conley play is extremely impressive and the best I've seen Donovan Mitchell play is extremely impressive, and I'm wondering if they can both be their best selves on the court. That's interesting. So, um, I I think so. So let's let's just isolate Donovan for a second. So Donovan obviously is becoming so much better with the ball in his hands. He can make better decisions, and he can do he can do things. You know, he's he's gotten better and better at that. Um, and he's using he and Rudy. There's some really interesting stuff that they're doing with pick angles and how they're setting picks up. They, they're beginning to get that relationship of two guys together. I mean, I can't imagine what they'll be like in two or three years together with the way they just keep running picks. So Donovan's gotten much, much better with the ball, and he's making the right decisions. But Donovan is also one of the top 15 catch-and-shoot guys in the NBA. And you can't pass to yourself. And it's really exhausting to go do it with the ball in your hands every single time. So to get the most out of Donovan – I do think it's really important that he's on the floor with Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, some of those kind of guys, and having other people initiating the offense at times. Now, Mike, because he's not very big, is not always the best at getting a pass from inside the paint out to the wing. That's a, that's a really hard pass to make. So that's an area where I think you might see the Jazz play Mike on some angle pick and rolls a little bit more so that he's coming off to the side rather than he's coming down the middle so that if he's coming across the floor then he's able to find Donovan on the weak side a little easier for for some three-point opportunities there um then let's look at Mike Conley 
And, you know, he's also a fabulous catch-and-shoot player. Um, so I think if you can find a way to get these guys opportunities that are, you know, catch-and-shoot easy opportunities, and they're going to do it with each other. And then secondarily, I think just this pushing the basketball, the push-ahead pass, the one we saw from Conley to Bogdanovich. I think we saw Donovan yeah, hit yeah. somebody as well. Yep. Those plays are really important. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Uh, give me your thoughts on what you've seen from Boyan coming off that injury. I, I Frankly, I thought it might be, you know, he might miss a week or so to start the season, but, uh, but boy, he's getting thrown to the wolves, and I thought playing really well right out of the gate. Yeah, he really can stroke it, can he? Woo! Yeah. You know, uh, two most underrated players in the NBA last year were Davis Bertans, and Duncan Robinson. They were taking eight, nine threes a game. They were up at 38, 40%. Robinson was at like 43. They just changed games. Uh, I, I think Boyan could be, not only can Boyan post up and do some other things, but I think Boyan can get to eight, nine, ten threes a game and, um, and doing things. The Jazz did something else interesting the other night. I think they ran one of this for Boyan. They ran an out of timeout three for, um, for Conley, it was really interesting is they ran Rudy. We think of Rudy setting the pick at the top all the time, right? Yeah. There have been a few plays where they've set picks with Rudy out on the wing. And so one of them in particular was out of a timeout where Conley came off the pick. Well, the big, well, if it's DeAndre Ayton, then I'm certain the three is going to be open. Holy smokes. Um, but if the big now Rudy's going out, the big doesn't come with Rudy, right? Because they're not worried about Rudy at 24 feet or 23 feet. Rudy sets this mammoth pick on the guard. The guard comes out behind the pick. The pass comes to the right spot. The only thing they can do to stop that three attempt is the big pop. The big who should have come out with Rudy popping out. If he does, then Rudy rolls and you got to dunk it. Kind of what the jazz used to run for Corver. But because the big's not coming out with Rudy anymore and just hanging at the rim, that three is wide open. I think you can get Boyan on that. They got, I think they got Ingles on it once. They got uh, Clarkson on it once. They got Conley on it. I think you can get Boyan on that three or four times a game. David, I wanted to talk to you about Joe Ingles last night because just through the first two preseason games, and I know that that's what they are, Boyan has been spectacular. Jordan Clarkson, you know, flashy, incredible stuff offensively. Last night, it just felt like some of Joe's passes weren't as, I don't know, they weren't as accurate. They weren't as um, crisp as they need to be. Some of his movements is, is Joe okay? And what are your hopes and expectations of Joe for this upcoming season? I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I'm not worried about Joe at all preseason just had a baby like fine just off right like he's not he wasn't you know with that said my biggest concern for the jazz this season is that joe gets old because he's so important to the team and when he's good he's so valuable to the team but he wasn't great in the bubble which I think was because of the fact that it was the bubble, and I don't think he just was ever comfortable. But there is a chance that that was the beginning of a natural aging process for a 33-year-old wing player. 
It's also a chance it was just a bubble, and it's not at all. So I'm not worried about Joe right now, but I am worried about the concept of Joe aging because of how important he is to this team. Is there a, I mean, granted, he hasn't been in the league because I know you've got your minutes thing where, you you know, you can identify when a player starts to drop off a little bit. Is there anything you can look to other than the fact that he's, uh, you know, pushing the mid-30s to look at and say, you know, he might be hitting a point in his career? Absolutely nothing, which is really interesting. Hmm. He really shows no signs of aging right now. Um, I've looked at it pretty intently, I mean, the only thing was the bubble wasn't great, but I think that was the bubble. Um, there really is no sign at all. His pick-and-roll uh, play is still good. He's still getting to the rim as much. He's finishing at the rim at a higher rate. Um, you know, one of the things I look I, I look at, like, three or four things. If your dunk numbers are way down, that's a little disconcerting to me. If your uh, block or steal rate, if you're an athlete, goes down, that's concerning. Well, his has never been that high. His dunk rate is not particularly high either. Yeah. So there, you know, some of these metrics you're looking for. So then you would start to look at shots attempted at the rim. Is he getting the rim much less? Um, and is he finishing at the rim much less? Um, well, those are they don't exist. So he has Joe is showing. Joe is actually showing all the signs that he should be able to age well in this league. Um, nobody has ever really aged particularly well until LeBron. So you know, let's be a little cautious of that concept. David, I want to ask you about Mie Oni. In the first two preseason games, he got the most minutes off the bench in game one and then the second most in game two, getting you know, a lot of usage and, and minutes. And obviously I can tell that Quinn Snyder's trying to see what he's got in Mie and see how Mie is continuing to develop. Your thoughts on his ability to be a piece off the bench, a very usable piece off the bench is, was it his second year? So I think we've got a nine-man rotation uh, with Royce O'Neal back, right? So that's with George Niang as the ninth. I'm not, I'm not as big a believer that there's this big battle going on for power forward minutes. I mean, I think Derek, we saw some really interesting things from Quinn last night. If you want to get into it, we can um, on how he used Derek and how he used Rudy. So, you know, I think there's a six minutes a night of power forward minutes are going to go to Derek, um, but. You know, I think we have a nine-man rotation, and Mia is probably not in it when Royce comes back. But with this season, 72 games in a truncated period of time, and COVID, I actually think that, like, every roster has to have their COVID team. So our COVID team is probably going to be Shaq Harrison, Mia Oni, um, I'm forget Jawan Morgan, and I'm forgetting, and maybe Jarrell Brantley. Like, that's our COVID team. So if somebody gets COVID or gets connected or, you know, has the contact and is suddenly out for 10 or 12 days, which is five or 16, those players step into the rotation. What Oni has shown is that he's very ready to do that and would be, we would be just fine if any of like four or five players go into a situation where Oni has, can step in. And, and that's a great sign. I think Juwan Morgan has shown us the same thing. I think our COVID team's actually pretty good. Um, And I actually think that's going to be really important this year is whether your COVID team is any good. And it's 10, probably 10 through 14 on your roster. The the final note, though, with 72 games is you may see a little bit more player rest or just an expansion out to 10-man rotations at times 
because of how truncated the games are. And Oni has a nice thing because he can really play probably two or three and maybe even a little one so that he's got a lot of routes onto the floor. If he shoots it well enough, he's going to have a long NBA career because he's good enough and tough enough defensively. And boy, could I tell you stories about how tough this guy is. He loves to compete. He's not taking a backseat to anyone. He's got a high A factor. He has that aspect of it. Was today a good day for the Supermax with Giannis signing with Milwaukee and in, in hopes of the uh, what that what that was there intended to do was keep guys with their team? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who thought Giannis was the bellwether for how the Supermax is viewed. And if, if Giannis just kept – if that just kept Giannis in the market, then that did it. The, the problem is that it's, you know, 15 through 30 ranked players in the NBA who've gotten a Supermax have – gotten traded because no one wants to give them the Supermax, right? They became Supermax eligible. And then there's a bunch of players, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, who've gotten the Supermax and it's become a detrimental contract to their teams. Um, so there, there's, I've heard a lot of hypothesis. John Hollinger on Hollinger and Duncan podcast did a nice thing the other day about how, well, maybe you do the Supermax, but the amount from the max to the Supermax doesn't count against your salary cap. I thought that was an interesting concept, or you're toward your luxury tax. I thought that was an interesting concept. Um, so something of that sort, there needs to be some adjustment to it, because right now it's pretty punitive to the teams as well, and that is not what it was intended to do. But that's, that's a mammothly important moment um, you know, for that franchise and for the concept of someone not being Anthony Davis. David Locke, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Great analyst, great play-by-play guy, and a good dude. David, appreciate it, man. Thanks, David. That would have been so much more fun if you said something else. Ah, we'll just keep that to ourselves. That's all right. <laughs> I will talk to you soon, my friends. Hands, I hope you're great. Scotty, best of the fam. And yeah, hands David. to your fam, too. But, like, you know, I don't really know them. Yeah, back at you, David. Okay, you're the, you. you're the best, David. Thanks. David Locke, right here on The Zone Sports Network.